When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I have a packed show and two terrific guests. Former Washington running back and returner Brian Mitchell. He's always good. You know that. He didn't disappoint today. We talked about memories from beating Dallas way back when with Pete Schuler at quarterback and the key to sticking around in the NFL, which is why he doesn't ever like to hear excuses. His philosophy sounds like one of a coach. So why didn't he coach? I asked him. Also, I asked him about his thoughts on Ron Rivera. And the one thing you know about B. Mitch, he'll always be honest. And then it's tailgate Ted as we discuss some Christmas recipes for smoking a prime rib and then a ham. You will be hungry and want to buy a smoker after hearing this. Ted provides some excellent tips as always, and he's still collecting items for the homeless. So if you can help out, please do. You can listen to Brian Mitchell along with J.P. Finley on 106.7 The Fan Middays, and you can follow Ted on Twitter at TailgateTed. You can read my work on ESPN.com, of course, as we lead into the Dallas game. Now, for a quick prediction by me. This one is difficult, like it was on Tuesday, just in terms of knowing who will be available, because that, of course, affects the prediction for a game. I do think Kendall Fuller and or Cam Curl will return, but there are no guarantees. They need them in the secondary for this week. They need them every week. You saw the issues against the Eagles with the secondary backups with Landon Collins and William Jackson nursing injuries. Who knows what that group will look like? Plus, Linebacker Cole Holcomb is on the COVID list and no guarantee to return. Whether or not you like him isn't the point. It's a key loss. He's been calling the D all season. They do have others who can fill that role, but there's a reason they no longer see Jamin Davis in that role for the future. His future is on the outside and having to call plays and diagnose everything can lead to hesitation. That was an issue last week, not so much because the hesitation was an issue for different. It happened because of different reasons, but that was an issue. Can't have that. There's also David Mayo, Jordan Kunashik, and Dijon Harris. It's a tough way to enter this game. And that's why it's really tough, of course, to pick Washington to win. Really tough. So I'm not. There are just too many unknowns. We don't know about guard Brandon Sheriff. I felt Sadiq Charles held up well. But that's a damn good front they're facing Sunday. You need your best guys in there. You know, that, that Dallas's front controlled that first game. There were plays available that were missed on the Randy Gregory tipped interception. For example, if that ball is completed, it might be a touchdown, but it wasn't completed because Dallas has some playmakers on that D. Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs among them. Those dudes cover up, cover up flaws. Diggs did a nice job against Terry McLaurin too. Played to his help, used his leverage well. I think that was one thing I asked Heineke today on a, on a conference call about getting the ball to Terry McLaurin more because his targets have gone way down. And he said, for their perspective, if he's doubled, you don't want to force the ball. And the problem is in that Dallas game, there were times he threw him to triple and quite in, in what quintuple coverage. So, you know, 
But that's why his tar- that's probably why his targets have gone down. Ron Rivera says part of this, which I agree with, is not having Logan Thomas in the game or J.D. McKissick. He takes away other guys who can tell the attack where where in ways that could limit how often you're going to pay attention to McLaurin or maybe make you pay attention to somebody else. Right now, they don't have to. Nobody else is a consistent playmaker on this offense, so they there's one. So they're going to cover him. So you have to find other guys who can help, and that's going to be on Heineke, but it's also on the coaches to get guys opportunities. Washington has not run the ball well the last two games. Now, Antonio Gibson is nursing a toe injury, so what will his effectiveness be if he plays? Landon Collins and William Jackson have health issues. None of those guys practiced Thursday. Ron Rivera said not they weren't all in dire situations, but there are, of course, concerns on a short week with guys who are hurt. They did a nice job on defense versus Dallas last time. Washington did. Cowboys scored 20 points on offense with three set up by a Gibson fumble deep in his own territory. Dallas didn't run the ball well either, and, they, and Washington applied pressure on Dak Prescott. It will help, it will help having Montez Sweat and John Allen with a, a full week's worth of work. Well, I guess full in a you know shortened week sense, um, but they didn't get that last week, and it mattered. You could see the line getting tired at the end of that, in the fourth quarter especially. And, you know, so I think it's good for them to be back with that. Same with Matt Ioannidis, James Smith-Williams, and Casey Tuhill as well. But I'm really concerned about the back seven and Dallas's ability to attack through the air. Dak Prescott is a much better quarterback at home. 16 touchdowns, two picks at home, nine and eight on the road. You saw some communication breakdowns in the secondary last week, partly because new guys in, some lesser players as well. They need Curl and Fuller back without a doubt. They need Landon Collins in the box. And while for a few weeks I liked Jamin Davis's progress, you could see you could see the development. I haven't seen anything the last two weeks. We need to see how he develops and his growth for next summer. This is a long-term process here. I don't dismiss guys after one year, but you, you need to see the progress. But I'd also like to see him make a play or two. He was in position to make one against Dallas, and he did not. You need more from the 19th pick overall. Heck, they need more from their third rounder, Deami Brown. They need more from Curtis Samuel. They've hit on other guys, DeAndre Carter. I like John Bates. There's some other guys that they've hit on in the last offseason. But those top-end guys haven't produced, and they need them now. Offensively, they at least get Taylor Heineke back, and that will help, though not if he's under a lot of duress as he was in the first game. I will say it also helps him that he was able to return to practice on Thursday. Heineke told us that he did have symptoms uh, runny nose, sore throat, and he was very fatigued. He said at one point he walked about 20 feet with a laundry a hamper full of uh, dry clothes, and he said it, it tired him out, just walking 20 feet in that way. So the fact that and he feels better, he said he woke up yesterday feeling better. So the fact that he's a couple days removed from that and will be a few more days removed from that is a big help. If he had to go play a day after feeling it, feeling like that, it would be very difficult. But in the first game, some of that stuff was on him, of course. He did not. Yeah, I think that was the worst game he's played. He made some bad decisions and forced a few throws. He's a he's a, resi- a resilient guy, but if they can't run the ball, they have no shot. He and the pass game in general are not in position to carry them against this kind of opportunistic defense. The Dallas line did a nice job with some shifting or with their alignment to cause issues up front and muck up the run game. There were a couple of times on the outside zone, for example where the guard has to reach for a lineman who is set up over the center. That's a tough, that's a tough task. They lost yards on those, some of those plays. That's why I think this is going to be tough. I liked where this team was headed before the last couple of weeks. 
I think yeah, the Eagles game was a felt a good matchup for them if they had their guys in healthy. They didn't, so it wasn't. The injuries in COVID have played a role, of course, in the last two weeks. I, I think there you can always play better though with all that. I like their line depth. I still like the attitude, but I don't like the situation. Dallas wins. That's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Washington legend Brian Mitchell. Listen to him on 1067 The Fan. You'll enjoy this one. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Christmas week and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, has a gift that certainly will put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. It's a great way to put some extra jingle into your pocket. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, your Christmas can still be merry. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, bet just $5 on any NBA team, and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code KIME this Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Brian Mitchell. All right, B. Mitch. Well, before we get onto this game and, and the current team, I want to go back to a game that you played in Dallas because it was a game that nobody thought you guys could win. It was the Heath Schuler game going down there. And, there, you know, that was yeah, – I just remember covering that game. And, like, how did that happen? What do you remember? Like, first of all, what do you remember about that game? And is that a game that stands out to you in this rivalry? Well, I, I think it's just like – it's many games like that that stand out, you know, whether it's Dallas or whether it's us uh, here in Washington – when the team seems to be down and out, they seem to find some kind of way, dig deep and find something. And uh, I think that same, that game was like that. That week of practice was intense. Uh, guys were very serious about uh, things we felt we had to overcome <laughs> on our team and also right. with the other team. And I just think sometimes you get into these football games and things work out good for you. Now, I remember you telling me that you had to help Heath with some of the calls in the huddle. Yeah, I, I did. And uh I think the ultimate thing about that is that, you know, when you're on a football team, the thing that I was, I was a former quarterback, so I didn't right. just go out there and learn just what the running back had to do. I continued uh, preparing for the games as if I was a quarterback. I wanted to know what everybody had to do. and if Because he, he would step into the huddle sometimes, and it's like he'll get lost in the middle of it, and you got to help him finish the play. And I think a lot of guys, like in my position that were former quarterbacks or veteran football players, they think that way. Even when I got to Philadelphia, you know, I was sitting there and really pay attention to what the defense was looking for. And I would always tell Jim Johnson when I thought they were trying to do something uh, tricky or get in a certain position that he was looking for. And, and he said, man, you always in the game. <laughs> you know, I just think that, you know, playing the game of football is great, but actually learning and knowing the game of football makes you feel even better. Why didn't you coach? I like doing so much, and coaching seems like you – know, It's a, a consuming, a two-time, hugely consuming. 
I think I think I look at people like um, the the way that I think I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Coach in Tampa, Marvin, not Marvin. It was um, uh, Tony Dungy. Dungy, the Tony Dungy told his guys be home at a certain time. Right. If your kids have, and Bruce Arians is very much like this. Yeah. If your kids have something you don't ever go to anything. He said you'll fire them. But I also look at some of the greatest coaches ever, like Coach Gibbs, who didn't leave the damn building. Right. There. I just, I think you don't have to do too much. I think what coaching has become, more than the play, the coaches have gotten better, they stay there all the time to try to make their owners think they're doing more. I just look at the oh, yeah. football field. If you're there all night and your team is still getting their butts kicked, you're wasting your time. Well, that's I've always thought that it's a, well, so-and-so is working 16 hours a day. I'm going to work 16 and a half. Yeah, and that makes no sense to me. No. Well, <laughs> I know. I also know with Joe, the, you know, the word was that he would kind of waste a lot of time before settling down around midnight, telling stories. Just I don't know that was all the time, but I remember talking to beat writers from back then. It's like he's, he had to sleep there because he was telling stories till 10, 11 at night. <laughs> you know, and that, that's the way he was. and. But the thing about you, look at his results. Oh, yeah. You can't knock him. No, you know? no. Not at all. So I think I think if, if I were to ever become a coach, I would have to start somewhere in high school, college, where I can be the man and control stuff. And if it works up, it works up. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Because ultimately, for me, the coaches I remember, you know, David Cully, uh, uh, Don Jones from, from college, from high school, Coach Gibbs, you know, uh, Andy Reid. Um, uh, uh, um, who is it, Coach? Uh, oh Lord, I'm losing my mind here. Oh Lord, my, my running back coach in Ted, 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 and uh, in Williams in, in in Philadelphia, Don Bro here. Those guys were not just football coaches. Those guys were mentors. Mm -hmm. Those guys were made me become a better man. And I think if I were to become a coach, that's something I would want to do more. And I think a lot of times the coaches today they they lose sight of that. You know, they understand, get a guy in, he's 20 years old. Even in the NFL, you get a 20, 21-year-old. You get this guy, he has great talent. All you do is talk to him about football. You never, ever ask him about what's going on in his life to try to enhance him or push him forward. So right. I, I would like to be that type of guy. And I don't know if really the league allows you to be as much that today as you would want to be. Well, and I think that's why, you know, it almost feels like a lot of ex-players like coaching in high school because one, because the lifestyle is better. You've made your money. You don't have to do it for the money. And so you want to just coach, you get a taste of that. And you also can maybe have a bigger impact. Yeah, that's it. You yeah. know, and I, and I, I think I try my best. If I, I, I talk to many parents, I talk to many players, high school, college guys going to the league that, that get a lot, ask, ask a lot of questions. And I do that, you know, no, I don't have to go to a nine to five and do it. But it doesn't stop you from being able to be a mentor, be a coach, or somebody can just push people along and give them some positive uh, uh, advice. So you know, if you were a coach, knowing you and you you've got you you have your opinions, people would say, "Why didn't you become a, a talk show host?" <laughs> <laughs> Probably would. So hopefully, I get to live up all my uh, aspirations out at some point in my life. There, there you go. So, what have you thought about the job Rivera has done then, from a coaching well, standpoint? You know, I, I like the things that Ron done, so, has done, I, and there's a lot of things I don't like that he's done. You know, one thing about me, I, I'm not the type of person, if I like him, don't just always say positive stuff. Right. I think he's as like, – he, he likes to make that, make that comment about 
don't make the unimportant important. Well, he makes the unimportant important too often. And mm-hmm. I think the players pick up from it. Attacking the media is a thing a coach should never try and do. And the players pick up from it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. But as soon as, you, as soon as you win one game, there's no need to start peacocking. You know what I'm saying? Because just like they started at two and six and everybody kept saying, oh, his teams are better in the second half. I'm like, well, you're two and six, you're, you're at the bottom. You better be better in the second half. <laughs> right. And the way I look at it is that four-game winning streak means absolutely nothing if they don't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I love the way he can get the guys that are not supposed to play well to play well. Mm-hmm. But why the hell are the guys that supposed to play well not playing well? Mm-hmm. You're losing something somewhere. So, for me, it's like there, there are times where I think he's too much trying to be perfect. He's too much trying to be a, 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 a politician. Instead of be a coach, okay? Being a coach is getting the best out of your players, good and bad players. And when you lose, just say we lost. No reason for excuses. I love what Jonathan Allen said to you your, to your question the other day. You know, I'm not going to use COVID as an excuse. You think about it. There are teams that have gone into games with absolutely nothing. The, Washington, when they went on the, the, the Super Bowl that year, when they had scabs and the Cowboys had their best players. And they beat them. You know what I'm saying? I just think that you got to get into a mindset to where you you practice what you preach, basically. And, yeah, and- he's done great. And there have been things that I really did not like. And I, I voice it. And I'm sure yeah. he's had issues with the things I say. But my he has my number just like he has everybody else's number. <laughs> if you don't like something, call me. We can have a conversation. But I've, I've said it as long when I first got on radio. If I say something that I'm wrong about, let me know and I'll apologize. And the one thing I wonder too, though, because it did seem like during this process that they weren't trying to use the COVID as a reason. Did you, or did you think they were? Well, I think um, a lot of the players wasn't, but you know, we always hear when they lose and then when they finally win, they always go back to, well, we didn't have our players then. Okay. All right. Okay. Other players, other teams don't have players. Other teams are suffering from the same thing. If you look throughout an NFL season, everybody has a complaint at one point. Right. Or mm-hmm. But you know what? It's the team that doesn't use it as a crutch. Gotcha. They find out what they're doing to move forward. There you go. Um, with with this team right now, and Antonio Gibson has that toe injury. Did you ever have a turf toe? No, nah, I, I don't know, man. You know, John, one thing about <laughs> me, you know I, I really think back to my, my career now, and I think about time when I had like a little pain in my toe, and I had, but I grew up in an era where you get on the football field as best you can. Well, I was turf toe where, where we make all our money up, up front a lot of times. And we yeah, don't, there you, we, you know, I, I had to play. And yeah. look, I had four shoulder separations. Didn't miss a game because of any. You know, I had different things. I missed one football game in those 14 years. You think I wasn't hurting sometimes? But I understand <laughs> the way things are today. But that turf toe from what I hear about a lot of guys, it, it, it is one where you can't do much, you know? And I think when you look at Antonio, I think they shut him down a little bit earlier, let him, let him shut down for a game or two or whatever. He may be a little stronger now, but he played through the shin thing and all this. And a lot of times when you have one injury, it leads to another. It, it does. And so and with injuries too, because you played in that body bag game against the Eagles. And for people who don't remember that, um, first of all, it means you're pretty young. But secondly, go, go go Google it because it was a game where you guys had a ton of injuries um, yep. during the game. What is it like when you have a situation like that, when you do see a lot of guys going out 
and you know that you know you can keep competing, but you know it's tough. What is it like to be in that situation? It's it's tough, but you know I think what you, it makes you more focused on what you have to do. I think the problem with injuries a lot when people start getting injuries, everybody starts thinking that I have to do more. No, just do your job. Right. And if I do if you do your job and a guy that comes in and he does his job, you're good. But if you start trying to do your job and his job. He, he's going to get caught up, messed up. You won't do, do yours effectively, and it messes up the football team. Like for me, the biggest thing that year, that's my rookie season on the Monday night football game, I was basically going into the game just having to have a mindset of, you know, don't worry about the people that got hurt before you. Just do your job. When mm-hmm. you start thinking about people getting injured, you start thinking about you getting injured, you get injured. So right. I went to the game, and I just basically walked into the huddle, and I can remember telling them we have it was called Speed Right. I said, in in high school, in college, when we called a rollout, I always ran the first one. I'm going to do the same thing. I just wanted to get into a field. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a false start, but you could see me flying around the right side because that got me comfortable. It put me back in the mode of being in in high school and college again. Do you guys know, like, again, you always hear next man up, but at some point there is a, a natural attrition. But do guys really believe that? Or do guys just say that and know that, you know, well, this guy's not as good as that guy. I mean, because we know what they say publicly. Well, we know that it may not be that the guy is not better than the other because we haven't seen him perform just yet. Okay. Uh, I got my start because of the body bag game, to be totally honest with right. you. Um, to become like the kick returner and the punt returner. I was a kick returner at first. But then when you look at me coming in that game, Walter Stanley and Joe Howard Johnson both got hurt in that Philly game. The next week, I'm a punt returner now. Against the, the Saints, right. I learned on the job, and I, in my mindset, and I think a lot of guys have to think like this. In my era, when a person got hurt and you got a chance, your mindset was next man up for real. Like right. I'm going to make sure that you don't get your your job back. Right. I'm going to make sure coach understands I need to go in the game. You hear guys today, a lot of times they basically say I'm holding the position till so and so comes back. You know, but the next man up mentality, if you listen to it. It comes from the coaches, older guys that probably played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And those players start repeating what the coach states. Do they believe it? I don't know. You know, I just say this. I've watched this offensive line. I think I would, I would, if I would have to give a coach of the year candidate, a coach of a year award on that football team, it would be Coach Masco. Yes. Look at what he's done with all the different, you know, combinations and things he's had. And they, he had those guys playing very well. Yeah, so agreed. he sure make them believe it. I would say this: the offensive line believes they they believe it for sure because they step up immediately and they don't look like they missed anything. And you know what I like about because this is all that's about developing players too. Because with the, I think they do a really good job. He and and Travell Wharton do a really good job of developing those guys, staying after practice. The guys who don't play much. And working on with them for 15, 20 minutes, working right. with them in pregame, that's how I think that helps sli- helps them slide in and be able to know to at least know what they're supposed to do. Like I thought Sadiq Charles yeah. played pretty well against Fletcher Cox last week. But, um, you know, and I think it is too, Brian, um, that if I'm a player going in that spot, like this is why, you know, end of the year games where it's like, oh, there's nothing to play for. Well, for somebody, they're playing for a job. And so yeah. if you if you take that mentality that like, Okay, this is my chance. And to me, the NFL is just about opportunity. Trent Green would have been out of the league if he didn't play that one year. He's out of the league, period. 
because, yeah. but he got his chance and he was ready for his chance and he performed and he got a big deal because of way back when, again, if you yeah. don't know Trent Green played here, go Google it. So, <laughs> old you know, man radio. That's, that's it. It's, it. It's the player who takes his job as a, a serious job. Right. You know, many guys that still in the NFL, they think, oh man, I'm just, I do this, I get paid for it. But it doesn't just, you're not just working during the regular season. You work during the off season as well. And like I've always told people, I work from March, February, March to to uh, August. Then I have fun for the football season. Mm-hmm. You know, if you torture yourself and put yourself through all of those circumstances during the season, it's a lot easier to perform. You know, what I mean, during the off season, it's easier to perform during the season. That's the way I tried to approach it, and I think that's the way a lot of guys have to do it now. But those old school coaches. They work you before practice, during practice, after practice, and they make sure you understand. And they all and they always tell you, you might you you may be up tomorrow. Just think about it. I came into this league and they said, uh, you're gonna have to play emergency quarterback one day. <laughs> and they, they, they put and they go and they this week they give me a little game plan, and lo and behold, boom, I'm in the game. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't prepared me for it, we, that was the only touchdown drive we had in that game. That's right. That's right. You, know, you think about that. So they prepared me for the impossible that you think, but then all of a sudden, boom, it happens. And you were ready. I was ready. There you go. And what, so what do you think about this game? And, and you know, obviously it's huge. If they, they lose this game, they're all but eliminated. So what, what do you think? And they just faced them, and it should have been a blowout, and it wasn't. They had a chance. But what does that mean for this one? Well, what it means is that Washington should have hope. But I think I think when you play pro ball, you understand one thing. A team gets up by 20 points on you, they start becoming conservative. They start running prevent. They start just trying to run the clock out, which if you make a play, then you get a chance, and then all of a sudden momentum jumps to your sideline. Right. People are always talking about turning the switch on and off. If you if you got the foot on the metal and you you got the you know your, your pedal to the metal, you, you don't let up. When you let up, it's hard to get back there again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think that's what that's what Dallas did, but Washington ended up, ended up making some plays. When you look at it, I think Dallas is the better football team. You know, JP and I sure. always do, do this thing where we look at when the offense is on the field and defense, you look at the better players and you flip it over, look at the better players. Right. It's the best. Now, they're going to have to find a way to block because Taylor Heineken was destroyed in that game. Right. They were destroying our offense. You look at the game, offense did nothing the whole game. Defense did something. Right. They had a couple of runs in the second half. And, you know, it's funny because even in that second half, like, the run game was better and they seem to do better when they use a lot of motion to set up the run game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were doing more that second half, but they're still, it wasn't like it was a smooth offense in that second half. And that's that you're going to have to, the, they were better in the second half. A football game is four quarters. They better play good in the first half. If they want to have a chance in the second half, you know, yes, you can play better, but if a team is up 30 to nothing on you, and then you come in the second half and you play better, and oh, you score 15 points, oh, wow, you look good in the second half, you lost a football game. This is about winning the game, and I think they're in a position now where they got to go three in a row, yeah. or they forget about the playoffs. You think some of that, because obviously they harped on the second half, is that trying to convince players that, hey, some motivational thing, or you know what I mean? Like, is that you just to say, hey, we're, we're playing them again in two weeks, I've got to build on something. Yeah, you, you can build on it, but but that's what they've talked about all year. You know, even the whole season that we've been praising what they can do in the second half. Yeah, it's it's a motivation thing. It's a thing that you want to praise players. You want to get them going for something. But now 
They came off of the week of COVID where they pushed the game up. Now you got a shorter week to get prepared right. for the team that just beat you the week prior. And then now you're going down to their stadium. I hope they don't take no damn uh, benches down there because that'll be they are important, important again. But <laughs> you're in a position to where your back's up against the wall. Basically, nobody will give you a chance. But they better be giving themselves a chance. But I have I say this: they have to come out of the locker room when the first in the first quarter. They got to come out of the locker room with the same mindset they get once they get down. Right. The same mindset once they fit, once they get punched in the mouth. I, I don't understand how you know professional football players will say, well, you know, well, we got, once this happened, then we got fired up. No, you should be fired up when you walk out the damn locker room. And you you covered me. Yeah. I was, exactly. I was enraged when I came out of the locker room. You know, as soon as I step on the field, I'm ready to go. And it's it's a, it's just like when you get, like I ride bikes now, and I got a lot of people show up at five minutes before we ride. And they go, well, why y'all start off so fast? Because I was here 45 minutes ago, and I've been warming up. I'm ready to go, you know. And I think guys got to understand, you get to that locker room early, you get on the field to get into a certain mindset. Right. So when you come out the locker room, it's football. It's not, I got to, I'm going to go two quarters, somebody kicking my ass, and now I'm going to all of a sudden get fired up. No, you fired up and you walk out the locker room to go play. I, I would think too that after, especially the de- defensive front, that was not their best game against the Eagles. Now, I think that was a tough run defense, and it goes back to what you said. I think guys trying to do too much, and when you fall behind, there were a lot of guys trying to do things that they shouldn't have done, and you had backups trying to make you maybe do something they shouldn't do. But I would think that that game would um, serve as a pretty strong motivator for them to get back out there and get that taste out of their mouth, so to speak. Exactly. And I th- but the thing of it is now you're going against a team that they're more prolific passing the ball. Right, right, right. So you, 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 last week you lost in a run defense. And this is where guys like a Bill Belichick that I love so much, Bill Belichick this week will come out there and say, oh, okay, then. So this is a passing. He might have three defensive linemen on the field. Right. So, you know, you watch coaches that get married to a scheme, and you also watch coaches that prepare to for the people they're playing against. This game against Dallas, Zeke hasn't been doing much this year. If Pollard come back, then I'll be concerned about him because right. he's good running the ball and coming out the backfield. But you have to be effective – William Jackson is out. Kendall Fuller coming off a week of being out with COVID. You got to worry about those receivers running up and down the field now. And now the, the defensive line, their deal is stop the run on the way to the quarterback. Right, right, right. So the, the mindset has to change. And if you keep, if you go into this game to erase what you did last week, that's a different offense. And it's very, and I, and I agree, and I agree with you. Like, I don't think a lot of coaches go game to game. I mean, I think to a degree, everybody does because it's a game plan specifically. But Belichick is a master at not just yes. game plan, but changing his scheme, which is you it takes a lot, it takes a lot of Super Bowls to your name to have the 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 cojones to do that, I think. But but I think it's important and you yeah. see it work for him. And you know, now the other thing for him is he's not afraid, like if it doesn't work, he can say, What are you gonna say to me? But you, you, know, know? you go back. I, I don't think he just started doing that. When no, he, he's Manning, been good with that so for a long Manning time. When was with Indianapolis, I watched this man. I watched one game. I'm like, what the hell are they doing on defense? They had two down linemen, linebackers. And, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Linemen. You're absolutely right. The next week, he had five defensive linemen. Yo, yeah. I'm like, and I, that's when I started becoming a big fan of his. And I'm like, this man does what it takes to win that week. And and he and he's he's been good. They changed from a uh, 34 to a 43 during the season. 
one year during the season. Like, you know, like even when I would cover high school sports and basketball, you'd get some coaches say, well, this is what we do. So this is what got us here. And then you'd have another coach um, who would just be like, this is how we're going to play to win this game. There was a guy, you know, Brian, anybody who covers who is around high school basketball and here, Brian Mitras was the basketball coach at Hayfield, now Lake Braddock, but they would, they were a fast paced team. Then they play in other teams. Like we're holding the ball. We've been fast paced all year, but this is what it takes to win. So anyway, that's, that's part of my background, but it's just. One thing I don't like about Bill Belichick, that three, four, Mike Shanahan brought the three, four here because of Bill Belichick. But yeah. he never had three, four talent. And that's you know, why they look good. It, well, you know what happened too is like what happened with that, like so many teams were going to a three, four, you couldn't find the 34 talent. You yeah. couldn't find that's those true. those linebackers. To be honest, the more people go away from it, I'd probably go back to it because now you can find those outside linebackers, right? You know, yeah. you there's less teams going for those guys. And then so anyway, last word, um, or last thing here, when you look at the season, and obviously. We see where it's going, and it, you know if they don't recover, what is your takeaway from this? And I know there's three games to go, and it to be decided. But to this point, what's your takeaway as far as the building progress goes? Well, I look at the building progress, and I hear different things about you know, like last year uh, they weren't trying to win it, but then when they got an opportunity, they were trying to win it. And then this year, uh, I've heard the talk about well, you know, it doesn't transfer from year to year. I see that as crap. I can't, if I'm a player and I finish the season at a certain level, I don't start over next year. I start from where I finish the next year. I have to retain something. Okay. So that team, they failed in the first half, point blank. Yeah. Well, two and six, they failed. Now you got nine games left and you, you, you come off on a magnificent run. You go for four games in a row. And I stated then, I said, this is great because I know everybody said, if they could just hold on until they get those last five games. And my 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 comment was, if you don't make it to the playoffs, it's a failed season. Mm-hmm. Because you put yourself at six and six with five left. Right. Yeah. And that, that will have to tell me everything now when you look at the building process. Yeah, you see a lot of good talent, but I don't look at just the talent on the field. I look at the good talent on the field and how much money it's going to start costing you in another year. Right, right, right. Can they keep all the people they have right now? Right. And they're going to have to start over. And if we're looking at the exceptional talent that they have at this point, and they're saying that, you know, well, the guys are learning. When you start losing some of that exceptional talent and bringing in weaker talent, are they going to just be learning too? Or do you expect right. them to pick up? So I think the mindset, the, 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 the thought process of what's being said is understandable. But when you really break it down, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Hey, Mitch, you're the best. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate you, man. After this break, it's Food Talk with Tailgate Ted. We discuss smoking a prime rib and then a ham. Get your pencil and paper ready, folks. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Tailgate Ted. All right, I'm back with Tailgate Ted because it's Christmas and I want some Christmas cooking tips. But, Ted... I know you do a lot of collecting of um, items and goods for for others. So what do you have? How can people help? What do you need? So this coming next couple of weeks, we're going to be collecting gently used or new jackets for the homeless. These are kind of winter coats, blankets, and new socks. So I'm actually going to be cooking Christmas meals for the homeless on Christmas morning. 
We're going to be dropping off and giving them some different things to keep them warm while they're outside. And if you're coming out to FedEx Field during that Eagles tailgate, please stop by if you've got anything to drop off. And, you know, we'll happily collect those, clean them, and hand them out to the homeless again that following week. So is that the best place to get it to you? Is there another way beforehand? I mean, by the time people hear this, it's going to be right up against it. But so next week would still be okay for that? Next week is fine. And frankly, you can reach out to me anytime. It doesn't have to be football season. If you've got something you want to donate, I'm happy to come by in my van, drive around the Beltway, pick it up, and make sure it finds a good home. There you go. Awesome, awesome work. So let's turn to some food talk because one of the, there's a couple of things. One, you told me what you were making for Christmas. So shout it out here. So we were going to go out for dinner, but then the wife realized, no, I haven't had a chance to make this in a while. So I'm going to smoke a prime rib mm. for Christmas. So it's going to be a garlic butter kind of cap on top of it. And we're going to put that in the smoker for a couple of hours. And then I'm going to finish it off with a blowtorch at the end just to render that fat down. How, how long does it take to smoke that? It just depends on how many pounds. I do it about 225 degrees with some cherry or some apple wood. And you want to do about 40 minutes per pound. Okay. But once again, you all want to go to temperature, not the time. So right, right, that's right, 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 right. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes that estimate helps at least to plan, but you're right. It's always about, because then when you start going by time, then you start rushing things or getting impatient. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And it's also going to be 60 degrees on Christmas Eve. <clears throat> right. Where I was trying to factor in it being 30 degrees outside. <laughs> right. A little bit faster this time than it would have, you know, a couple of Christmases ago. So what, what do you do? What do you, do you do anything to get it ready? Is it just, and what do you, with the, with the, you're putting the little cap on there. What do you do um, to flavor it then? Anything? I'll make a garlic compound butter, which is, it's very simple. It, it might sound complicated, but really you can look it up on Google or anything else. It's just, you're taking butter itself. And then I'm actually food processing some garlic cloves, putting that inside there. But beforehand, before I put that actually all over the prime rib, I'll season it with, you know, some good kosher salt, some pepper. I'll put some rosemary fresh, mince that and put that inside. Okay. Kind of all around it. And then I'll put butter all around it on top of that after the fact and let that sit in the fridge overnight so it can kind of seep all of that flavor into it. All right. And what time should I be there? <laughs> Whatever time you want to okay. come over. So then the other one is a ham and I'm going to smoke a ham and I've done that before and it can be really good. But what, what kind of tips would you have for smoking a ham? So one big thing is make sure if you're going to smoke a ham, if you understand, are you going to get a green ham, mm -hmm. meaning it's not a cooked ham, right? or are you buying a ham that has already been smoked and cooked? Right. Because I've had people call me up frantically. They didn't realize they bought an uncooked ham. Right. It takes that a little takes, bit longer. Oh, a lot longer, especially if you want to cure that thing and make it properly. If you're going to get something that you really want to go through the entire process and do, that a green ham is what you're looking for. But that's going to take you a couple of days because you're going to want to brine that right. for at least a day per pound. Oof. If you want to make it an easy yet very delicious ham, just go grab a ham that's already cooked and put your spin on it. That right. glaze packet you get inside with that ham, throw that thing away. 
make your own glaze. There are a ton of recipes online. I believe you had Dr. Barbecue on podcasts ago. Dr. Barbecue Ray, good friend of mine, he has a very good glaze recipe that you can find out there online. And I've actually loved using his recipe. But the big thing with smoking a ham that's already been cooked, a lot of people think you're going to infuse too much smoke into it. Right. You're not. It's only going to be able to soak in so much. So I smoke at about 230 to 250 degrees, either a nice apple or a cherry, Mm -hmm. because it'll cut through the salt in that smoked ham. And then I'll have a thermometer in there, just like you would any big cut of meat. And once it gets to around 140, I'll then start glazing it and then basting it every 30 minutes. What temperature do you want it to? If it's pre-cooked, what temperature do you want it to? I usually like going to 165 Okay. and then wrapping it at 165. That way, you know, you're not going to dry it out and it's going to be nice and warm. And that glaze will really just kind of caramelize and glisten on the outside of the ham. Because if it's uncooked, you got to get it to around 200, right? Oh, yeah. 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 If it's uncooked, yeah, you've definitely got to cook that thing up. And you've got to break down all the collagens inside. It just, it yeah, that's, yeah, that would be a, that would be a tough one. And because the what I like too, and if you, I think one tip would be score the ham right if you're putting the glaze on, so it seeps in there. Um, brown sugar or even a syrupy glaze is pretty good. So I like Dr. Barbecue's where he does apricot preserves. Ooh, ooh, I like so that. Apricot preserves, brown sugar, some rum. But he also uses the uh, Dizzy Pig pineapple head. Oh, does he? Okay. It's got a nice, sweet slash kind of tangy flavor to it and a little bit of lime zest. That zest goes a long way and it just really balances out kind of that sweetness with the salty. Okay. Dark rum? Yeah, definitely a dark rum. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's, so that's what I am doing on Saturday. So since I have to go to Dallas on Sunday, I'm leaving Sunday morning, but I'm like, well, I'm going to do something nice for the family on, on <laughs> Christmas since I have to take off next day. So that is awesome. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it works out. So, <laughs> but it's good. I mean, I, you know, I think a smoked ham is really good. Um, oh, yeah. I've done it before and it, it comes out well, but it, and it's not, and I like it too, because it's not a pain in the butt to do on a Christmas day where you don't want to just be monitoring that all day. If you get it 12 to 16 pounds, you should probably finish in what, about four or five hours, right? You think? Yeah, right around Dep- there. Depending on everything that we, you know, like temperature and uh, temperature outside and all that. So, um, all right, Ted, anything else you want to share? No, just, you know, this has been great. I, you know, appreciate everyone that's, made comments and kind of, you know, reach back out and ask for recipes. You know, you can always reach out at any point in time, social media at tailgate Ted. And like I said, we're collecting items, not just during football season throughout the year. So if there's anything you'd like to donate or drop off, let me know. Awesome. Thanks, Ted. All right, John. Thank you, man. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Brian Mitchell and tailgate Ted for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday season. Be good to one another, folks. We need it. I'll be back with another episode after Sunday's game. Talk to you next time.